0: Welcome to a brand new episode of the Talk20s podcast. Don't forget to subscribe or follow the podcast so you never miss an episode. Today, we're joined in the studio by Niaz Azad, co-founder of Millennial Money. This episode is probably one of the most frank and honest conversations we've ever had on the podcast about money, how to understand it, how to make more of it, and why we're so obsessed with it in the UK. This podcast is one to talk about with your friends, so when you've listened, don't forget to share. Niaz, welcome to Talk20s podcast. I'm so delighted to have you here. It's going to be a great chat, I can tell already. We've been chatting a little bit already before yeah. this episode and we have so many like, well, you have so many interesting points of view, I think, about managing money in your 20s, for sure.
1: No, thank you for having me. And yeah, I'm really excited to have this chat. I think there's loads that um, you've told me as well. And I think a bit of a therapist already to me <laughs>
0: <laughs> and likewise because I think you've got such a great perspective like obviously let's talk about our like our differences first like I live and run a business in a kind of platform but I live in the northwest mm-hmm. in the UK and I run my business up here but you run your platform down in London yeah so we've got two very different perspectives yeah, yeah. tell us a little bit more about Millennial Money
1: so Millennial Money is a multimedia um, platform and it's engaged um, young people to try and demystify the world of personal finance and try and engage young people with the conversation of money, mm-hmm. as I'm sure you and most of like people in our generation can relate. Um, it's a conversation that we felt quite shut out from, disenfranchised from, mm-hmm. um, sometimes unqualified to engage with. So uh, me and one of my best friends, Shaq, um, a few years ago, we thought we'd sit down um, and from our own experiences, we thought there is a there's, there's a gap for a platform that speaks to us mm-hmm. um, and just engages us without all of the jargon that surrounded um, money for years and years and actually just speaks to and teaches people in our demographics. So we, we decided to go ahead and build something mm-hmm. to cater to that audience. Um, and we've gone from strength to strength from there.
0: You absolutely have. And I think it, it's really interesting because I think although traditional money platforms don't speak to our generation I think as a generation we are a little bit obsessed with money would you
1: agree 100% I think it's funny I think like Brits or anyone I think everyone's always been obsessed with money Mm -hmm. but because of our opportunities our obsession has come from negative headlines and like the lack of opportunities but also new opportunities as well um I think the obsession with money's always been there and it's always going to be there, but it presents itself with like different conditions. So for us, we grew up in the generation of like social media as well, becoming um, Mm. or proliferating loads of information. So um, previously maybe like, People in our generation wouldn't have considered things like investing so soon um, or it wouldn't have been as accessible. But we have so much information out there. We always feel like we need to be doing more with our money. but We actually have no idea because none of us were taught in schools how to manage our money, even the basics. Um, So I think it's important to like really strip it back. And it is important for all of us to understand money. But it starts from understanding that we were never actually taught about money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and We have to start from the ground up. Um, And there is a lot of noise out there when it comes to money and money management you hear things about investing um and you feel like you're constantly missing out but actually it's a process like you might be at the stage where you need to think about managing your debt um think about like understanding where you are financially before engaging with all of the noise Mm -hmm. when it comes to things like investing um uh, and all of the other concepts that surround money Mm -hmm. um I don't know is that something that you've found as well when Mm -hmm. it comes
0: to definitely I think I think 100% I think both of our platforms come from a perspective of we're not Gurus, like we won't tell you how it is. Like you know, we we're not here necessarily to teach you, but we will provide you with the opportunity to ask questions. Yeah, you know, um, go away and like learn, and we'll give you different people's perspectives. It's a platform to be able to do that. I think because you know we're going through this change just yeah, as yeah. much as anyone else. But I think it's helpful to kind of, I think I think people find that real as well because I think you know the likes of like. I don't know money saving expert and stuff like that is is super super helpful, but we're a different generation to that.
1: Yeah, exactly, and we've got such different opportunities mm-hmm. and different conditions. And I'm so happy that you said that we're not gurus, and I think that's what I love about what you've built as well. Uh, in that your story is quite relatable, mm-hmm. and like people look at you and like, wait, she's actually got uh, similar experiences to me. Um, so I want to listen because it's someone that I can relate to and I think it was the same for us so um we always said to our audience and the community actually so I prefer to say community because it really has been like a community building Mm -hmm. in that um we're not here to tell you look at us we're really rich we've made loads of money yeah this is how you can be like us actually (laughs) our angle was always quite self-deprecating and true because we were like listen we're idiots too. <laughs> like we've, made, we've made every mistake there is to make about money. We yeah. got ourselves into loads of debt um, and then we got ourselves out of it and we learned how to manage money and mm-hmm. there is a way to do it. Um, so there's, we've never had this like guru, financial guru complex. I, I, I think it's naff to be honest. So ours has always been, we are the target audience for the content that we're making mm-hmm. and the questions that are being asked, like we learn from it as well. Um, so what is it that we're going to learn from? Our friends are going to learn from. Um, and that's kind of what we've built the community around is like peer to peer. Cause I think the big problem was um, those that we might've been getting our advice from, and it could be parents, it could be like mentors, it could be like family members from a different generation. They had entirely different experiences and opportunities to us. Yeah. Um, like, a housing market that that they could have accessed um, when it was much more affordable um, and multiple other things. But for us our sort of like similar opportunities are with each other. So the best opportunity for us to learn actually is probably peer to peer. And I think that's kind of what we built this community around, isn't that? Let's, let's all learn from um, each other's experiences and how you managed to do something. Like today earlier, we we're talking about how you managed to become a homeowner. And actually I took a lot from that because I was comparing it to my own process. Mm-hmm. And that's probably more helpful than me speaking to my dad who managed to buy property in London 20 years ago. And I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah, definitely, because I think the process is like the processes, although kind of to buy a home are the same. The situation that people find themselves in is completely different. Mm-hmm. And especially the situation that you and I are both in, like you being in London and like wanting to buy a property in London is a completely different story yeah, to yeah. wanting to buy a, a property in the Northwest. It's is a completely different experience altogether. Yeah. And you're probably gonna do it. You know, for most people, you're going to probably buy a property in London at a much later point in your life just yeah. because of that circumstance where it's, you know, it's somewhat easier or more accessible because of the the prices and, you know, what you need to kind of put down as a deposit and stuff like that to actually do it in the north. Yeah. So even like peer to peer in that kind of sense, you can learn a lot from someone who is maybe just a little bit further down the line. I always say like I learn the most from people who are perhaps two to three years ahead of me
1: Absolutely, in
0: everything. And that can be someone who is the same age as me. They could be younger than me. They could have just started at a different point. But I would probably say the people that I gain the most experience from are just someone who's a bit like two years ahead, basically.
1: 100%. Because it's within reach, right? And and then there's a level of proximity there Mm -hmm. and you can tangibly see, okay, That's actually what I want to achieve. And I can see how they've gone about doing it. And I'm not too far away from doing that. Um, It's a really great way to learn. You're kind of like forcing mentorship from friends as well. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great way to go about it.
0: 100%. I'd be really, really interested to know, you've obviously been on this journey, this growth journey for money as well. What's the biggest thing that shocked you that you've kind of really come to understand about money and how that kind of works in the world?
1: there's so many I think the big one initially was um and I don't know if you can relate maybe it's just me and my friends and we're really bad at managing money until Mm. we decided to get better is that uh in the UK from my experience from what I is that most people spend more than they earn yeah I was definitely doing it and when Mm. I first heard that I thought what how on earth can you spend more than you earn um but me and my friends were doing it as well and that's because of things like credit cards um and um overdrafts for example um and i think it gives especially if you have a job and if you have um reliable income sometimes you don't even realize that you're doing it because you're spending on your credit card you're spending um borrowed money and then you're you're just like okay i'm going to just wipe this away at the end of the month i can afford to do this Mm -hmm. you probably can't to be honest because i think what's I think the last few years have shown us is that there is no such thing as an entirely reliable income. Even in the last few weeks, what we've seen um in, in, in the economy and in, in the markets with like job insecurity, mm-hmm. right? You don't know how long you're gonna have that job for. So you might find yourself in a position where you've racked up some debt expecting to pay it off um and not being able to. And then you're you're saddled with that debt, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's something that a lot of people in the U I think in Western like developed economies actually a lot of people find themselves in that trap in that they might not realize that they're spending more than they earn so that is like a a good step one to realize where you are with your money um and a really good and it seems really simple like a step to take is to make sure that you start spending less than you earn and Mm -hmm. actually that will set you or set the foundations for your for your financial future um that's a big one and that helps you like begin to manage your debt if you have any. Um, and if not, even better, because then that sets you up to save sustainably as well. So mm-hmm. those are like the first baby steps. I think that's how we addressed um, our finances first as well, to make sure that we started spending a bit less than we than we earn. In-
0: mm-hmm. I think it's, it's so true. And I think that the problem is though, is that it's, it's kind of probably easier said than done because... Wages don't seem to be going up at mm-hmm. the same rate as what everything costs in the world. Yeah. Like how, how can we realistically sit down and actually sort out our finances so that we're not spending more money than we earn? Yeah. Like that can actually be really hard, especially like with, you know, lifestyle inflation and things like that. Once you move into that flat that costs a certain amount, once mm. you, you know, and you've signed a contract for 12 months or you've, you know, you how you spend a certain amount of groceries and that just seems to be going up and up and mm-hmm. up, or you promise that you're going to go out with your friends once a month and do X, Y, Z, like it can get, it yeah. can, you know, you get yourself into a situation where you like that lifestyle and it's kind of tricky to pull back. Yeah. You know,
1: I think the first thing to remember is we are in quite tricky times mm. and a lot of it actually lifestyle inflation is one thing. And some of it is actually enforced now. Um, so just yesterday um, we, the nhs workers doctors went on strike doctors right yeah growing up junior you, doctors yeah, yeah like, gr- growing up you and i, yeah. I gro- we grew up in a generation where you're told like if you can become a doctor mm-hmm. that is you're going to be you're going to be fine your yeah. life's going to be sorted and like, when i went to school uh, my sister's in medical school right now and like um the advice of like our parents and actually like the brightest kids become or go on to medical school uh, quite often um and now you're finding the doctors, junior doctors that are um, qualifying into the NHS, they're struggling.
0: Mm-hmm. Isn't right? it like fourteen pound an hour or something? So like that? I saw
1: something yesterday that um, PrEP had uh, increased its hourly wage, such that they're paid more than junior doctors in the NHS now. That's insane. These yes. are our these are our yeah. brightest minds um, mm-hmm. that are doing very crucial jobs right on the front. I have friends that are doctors and and, and they talk about it as well, often working 12, 13 hour days um, and expected to like deliver a great level of care. Um, but the, the, the cost of living has increased so much that the doctors are struggling now as well. Whereas not too long ago, we'd consider that a very safe and secure career to take. Right. And then mm-hmm. the best doctors are leaving now as well. So Coming back to your initial question, part of it is that understanding that we are in quite tricky times with the cost of living and wages not matching that. Um, but what you can do is understand that there are that this is a tricky period. So don't don't like allocate too much blame to yourself if you're finding it difficult month on month because there are people that like can share that experience but there's a level of it that we can take into our own hands understanding that there's loads of outside of our control I think the first thing that worked for me was budgeting and I, I laugh when I say that because I remember when I first was introduced to the concept of budgeting I was like spreadsheets is boring I don't want to do that I mm-hmm. can't do that I'm not the kind of person that's naturally frugal um And I can't like look at every single expense and be like, right, I'm going to cut down here. I'm going to, it just doesn't work. But actually the concept of budgeting is just knowing like where you are um, in the month and like where your money's going and like matching your outgoings um, and, and tracking it against like how much money you have coming in or how much money you have to start with. What that does is it gives you a clear picture of where you are financially and forces you to basically track against yourself. Whereas before it's easy to just like put your head in the sand and mm-hmm. just assume you can kind of afford what you're doing, but really you can't. Mm-hmm. So it forces you to audit yourself basically. Um, and I think it's a good way about getting realistic about where you are with your finances and thinking about whether you can sustain the current level of lifestyle that you might be in at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I'd recommend yeah. as a starting point.
0: No, definitely. And I think, you know, a lot of people will be able to relate to this going, oh, like, I wish there was a financial, like, money tip that would just help me get rich quick. And so I wouldn't have to do all this, like, budgeting. And I would just be able to go out and, like, do whatever I want mm. and, you know, not have to worry about money. But the reality is, that's not adult life. Mm. That's not how adult life works. Mm. And it sucks. You get into your 20s, you start to, like, realize this, and you're like, okay, like, you know, it's actually really hard. Um, And there's a lot of people out there who will go, oh, like, I wish there was a a different way, but there really isn't. The simplicity of it is, like, sit down and and work it out, really.
1: Yeah, so it's it's twofold, right? So the first part is actually, like, you're auditing yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not going to give you 100% of the answer, but the budgeting will allow you to see where you are now. Mm -hmm. And then the second active part of it is... increasing your income and I, I I don't say that lightly right I know it's difficult to do which is why we have doctors going on strike because they need more money right yeah um, and we have teachers like you worked in the education sector before as well mm-hmm. like these are the most important people in our in our society right um, and what are they striking for they're striking for more money because mm-hmm. they need more money so the second part of it is the the active side of it is about increasing the amount of money that you have coming in um, and that is how to combat the cost of everything going up you, need, you basically need more money to, um, in the end to finish up with uh, mm-hmm. that you can then allocate towards sustaining mm-hmm. your lifestyle.
0: Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it's, it's tricky because it's, like it's like the twofold thing, isn't it? And there's lots of different ways that, you know, people will try and tell you, increase your money to do this or mm-hmm. start, you know, investing trader this, this and this. And it's so like, noise. there's a lot of noise so and noise. it's really hard to kind of cut through that for someone who is in a position where they want to look to raise the income that they're currently bringing in what would be your tips
1: So it, I, this is a tough one and it's something that I actually like me personally I struggled with like mm-hmm. in my like prime like look after your primary income. So if you do have like a job that you're working, look after that primary income, right? Um and think about ways that you might be able to increase that income. Um I know it's so easy to say like go and ask your boss for some more money. That's not an easy conversation to have. No. I don't find it easy. Mm-hmm. I find it so awkward. Mhm. But it is something that if you're you're serious about like wanting to increase your income, that is something that you should consider doing. Your main source of income is the one that you should protect and try and increase Mm -hmm. first and foremost. Forget about all of this. I also think it's
0: like, although it might be hard and a difficult conversation, I also often think it's the easiest. They're already paying you, right? There's there's already paying you. That's already coming into their account and stuff like that. So having that conversation and like, I remember that I asked to take on a little bit more responsibility to mm. solve a problem that was going on in the business that I could see that was visible. Like basically they they were bringing in students mm-hmm. like from, you know, because they needed help and support. And I said to them, like, these students are really stuck within the business and they have like no mentor. Like I'm an ex teacher. Like yeah. if I was able to mentor them and make sure that they kind of retained and stayed with the business and you don't have to keep re-recruiting them, you know, could, could we look at, up in my salary to this? Yeah. And that was a huge problem that they needed in the business. And they ended up saying, yeah. So yeah. I think it's, I think in my, pers- my perspective, rather than starting something new and fresh, it's often the first place, easiest place to
1: start. 100%. And you have to remember for these companies, it costs money to lose talent and, yeah. and find new talent. Mm-hmm. There is a cost associated with that. There's a, there's a period of time that they'll have like an absent or a vacant position. Mm-hmm. And then they might have to pay recruiters to find someone to replace you. Mm-hmm. It's actually often cheaper to give someone who's currently in their role Um, and like value them a bit more and actually give them a bit more money Mm -hmm. so I would say try and have that conversation and then obviously like when you hear about all this stuff like especially online with all the noise like you feel like everyone's got a side hustle you think everyone's making loads of money outside of work Mm -hmm. once you've protected your primary income right? And like try to maximize that. Um, you might consider other things that you can do. Side hustles, like we are the side hustle generation. I think it's a great thing. Uh, I think both of us have experienced making money outside of whatever our primary income yeah. was and to, to the point that you've been able to go full time, which is amazing. It's very mm-hmm. inspiring. And, and, and certainly for myself, I've been able to supplement my income with a business and I've been very grateful that it's been successful um, uh, so far. But you don't, I think people look at Trying to do something new and I like, glamorize it quite a lot. Yeah. it's tough. You, so hard. You, you're often working for free for a period of time. Before Long time. Start, yeah, before <laughs> before you start to make any money. Um, so don't try not to go for the sexy stuff straight away. If yeah, you, if you actually need to supplement your income, um, there's other side hustles. Um. Which might not be a full business from the outset. It could be something like uh, people often like um, message us saying like they made loads of money from cat sitting, um, yeah. babysitting, like other other things like that, or um, in their spare time. If you're a teacher, actually, I know teachers sub- maths tutoring, tutoring, yeah, maths tutoring. And they made. Yeah. Uh, I know friends who are. Um, who are teachers and then tutors in the evening, and and some of them are saying they make more money from tutoring now in yeah. their day jobs. Like that's utilising the skills that you already have, mm-hmm. freeing up some of your evenings um to to supplement your income. It doesn't have to be the sexy. You may become a content creator, yeah. start a tech company. You can supplement your income um using the tools that you have already. Um, I know now particularly like, people that listen to you as well might like they're, they're quite savvy with with tech and like editing and stuff. Content is becoming currency right now so if mm-hmm. you can um edit content for example and you and you have the skills to do so do that in the evenings like yeah. there's loads of like small things that you might be able to supplement your income with but look at protecting your primary one first and then mm-hmm. find ways to supplement it and then obviously I'm not going to like cast aside how rewarding doing something sexier and harder is because we've seen like the benefits of it as mm-hmm. well which is amazing right uh, yeah. and there's non financial non-tangible benefits of that as well but you have to be prepared that that takes a lot of energy and a lot of time but it can be massively rewarding as well so there are ways
0: where are you storing your savings right now Just a quick one from our sponsor, Zopa Bank, home of the Smart Saver account. Zopa Smart Saver lets you save in different pots at different interest rates, depending on the notice period you choose to access your savings. The bigger the notice period on your pots, the bigger the interest rate. To find out more about the Zopa Smart Saver, download the Zopa app. We need to tell you that boosted interest pots are subject to a notice period, the longest of which is 95 days for the highest interest rate. You need to save a minimum of £1 and the interest is paid monthly and is subject to variation.
1: I think our generation has loads of opportunity, different opportunity to previous generations because Mm of the advent of the Internet, social media, technology, which previously wasn't there. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think I think the other thing that's what's difficult about necessarily what we do is that we're kind of kind of paving a new path that hasn't been paved before, Mm -hmm. which, you know, requires a lot of like you have to be quite, you know, okay, we're taking risks and kind of, you know, you have to look at what's trending quite a lot of the time and you have to kind of be able to prepare to go, I'm going to go all in in on this. Mm -hmm. And it might not work out in the way that I've hoped, but I can see all the trends pointing in like this direction and that's why. But that is actually quite a scary thing to do day in, day out. Like, you know, because I think, yeah, I find that part of it quite tough, I think.
1: hundred percent because there's a security in knowing like what's been paved out for you already. Yeah and um that security can be quite comfortable Mm -hmm. right and that's why there's like high risk high reward um and I think that's why they're always intrinsically linked because there is a greater level of risk in you trying to do something for yourself and build your own platform but the reward is far higher than if you had remained in your previous role Mm -hmm. right um and I this is a concept that goes with people that look at investing and money management as well you're risk appetite is very individual and whatever you decide to do should be commensurate to your own appetite for risk Mm. right so if you're someone who has quite a high appetite for risk you're not going to be phased if you go months where you're not making much money but deciding on this like dream that you have that you're trying to or this passion that you're trying to follow if you're someone who doesn't make money for a month which doing like or building something like we've built or platforms that we've built there are times where you might not (laughs) <laughs> or invoices might not land right. Yeah. Um. Or if you're if you're running your own business and yeah, you run into any of those periods, you'll be really phased if you're if you're not ready. If you're if your app if you're not. Or if you're really risk averse, it might not be for you. So mm. I think that's that's definitely something. I still to struggle consider. with that. I think
0: it's really hard. And even if you know, I would say I'm quite good with risk, mm. but like th- that doesn't mean that it's easy breezy. Like it's definitely really not. not. Like I think that thing, you know, especially with like you know, s- someone paying, saying they're going to pay you at a certain point doesn't mean they actually will. Oh my God. And so not planning for that like is is super super hard and mm. can put so much pressure on, you know, I have an like employee and yeah. like, you know, stuff like that. There's a whole knock on effect that 100%. that kind of has to have. And it's a lot to carry on your shoulders, like 100%. at one point in time. Um, so yeah, I can, I can totally, totally see that. And I think I, I, that's why I liked your point of like, protect your primary income. Mm. And like only when your primary income switches to something else, that's when you can kind of make the switch, basically.
1: A hundred percent. And I think I'm speaking from a position of privilege which I understand it takes a lot out of me but I'm I'm doing two things right I've still got my primary income Mm -hmm. um and I've built building my business and we have like people and we've grown our team and we have people that we need to think about paying for as well Mm -hmm. um so I know there's been instances where like late invoices they kill man I I, I always watch stuff about other creators we had one which was delayed for four months and it was quite a big invoice Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to have to pay out of my own, like, savings yeah. to, like, sustain us. Um, because we were relying on this massive invoice to come in and, like, pay for a few things. Mm-hmm. Right. And that can be quite nervy, yeah. right? It can be quite, really tucky. nervy. Yeah. Um, we, we know it's going to be fine, but actually I found out I worked on a project actually, um, like on a succumbent at work and, one of the biggest reasons that, uh, or one of the biggest things that small to medium businesses struggle with, is late payment of fees, mm-hmm. which is late payment of invoices. Because a lot of the time, what you're finding is that um, big companies, corporations, like the the big fish, they take the mick basically. Yeah. When it's smaller businesses, mm-hmm. and they'll just delay paying invoices, sometimes not pay them at all, um, and it sinks companies Mm -hmm. and there's no real recourse because a small business can't run long enough to take it to court and try and win back the money um they'll sink by the time like anything happens or or they're trying to go around doing that so it is a big problem um so again like there's so many other risks that come with running Mm -hmm. your own business that people might Mm -hmm. not be aware of no one
0: talks about that stuff either like yeah. you're definitely not taught about how about how to run a business like yeah. in school whatsoever so yeah. then even talking about this layer of like running a yeah. business and what it's actually like of course just doesn't get spoken about even more because not even the the starting point is yeah. even discussed so yeah it's a lonely interest. experience it's, mm-hmm. a, it's
1: a really lonely experience um I know you you read the book um Nafisa um, back as book. yeah had-
0: I've got a probably about two thirds of the way through insane book. Yeah. Really good book. How to make money. Yeah. yeah. Um, Amazing book.
1: And she, um, uh, one of the chapters that like really resonated with me, um, uh, which I read is about the first hundred grand being like by any means necessary. Mm The first like hundred, like um, grand in sales or revenue. And Mm -hmm. I was sitting there and I was like, Oh my God, it's like tooth and nail. Like if you actually Mm -hmm. like reflect on it, um, there, there is, there isn't like a real method to it. You're, you're still figuring it out. You're completely, figured, you don't know what you're doing really, yeah. and you're just kind of trying to reach there. And then things start to make sense, and you can strategize. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about, I laughed actually when I, when I read about that because I was like, mm-hmm. if people had seen some of the ways in way uh, in like that we managed to like scratch by to get to get to that initial point, yeah, it's hilarious because mm-hmm. now you you look at it and think, oh, it's it's quite a steady ship. Mm -hmm. but like it takes a lot to get there
0: it's a resilience thing isn't it and i think you know when you're building something that's relatively new that you know is needed in the world Mm -hmm. and you believe in and a lot of people around you also say that they believe in as well Mm. like it's really exciting but also it comes with its own level of you know taking its toll on your mental health like for sure
1: hundred percent do you ever feel like a bit of a fraud all the time yeah
0: (laughs) how often do i want to quit doing this like at least once a week I'll have a moment where I'm like yeah
1: and then you get that one moment where you're like this is the best thing in my life. this the is the best thing in my life
0: and that happens weekly I'll yeah. have, a, I'll have a, a dip where I'll be like yeah. I, don't, I can't do this anymore Yeah. and then I have a moment where I'm like oh my god this is the best best decision I've ever made
1: I had, I had that moment on the train journey up here
0: the best decision or the both, worst both <laughs>
1: both I was literally sat there like just waiting on stuff and like you're managing so many projects like mm-hmm. and like th- I'm these are so my day. I realized as well for the last seven months, every day off I've taken, I've worked on the business. Yeah. So I've not actually had a holiday, right? No. I was like, that's not okay. Like today, mm. I'm 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 off work today, right? Um, and as annual leave, but I'm working, right? yeah. Um, and then on the train, like I'm like waiting for loads of people because I'm like leading on a lot of these projects, which are exciting, and like waiting on people and like the punctuality of people and like things not coming in on time or things not quite being right. And then an hour into the train journey, I got sent this like new um, series that we're going to be launching. And um, uh, the the graphic designer sent across um, the final draft. I was there like, this is sick. Mm. (laughs) I love this job. (laughs) And within one train journey, it's because you need those moments to refuel you, right? You do,
0: you need them constantly. And I think when there's a drought in those moments, that's sometimes the hardest part. I think like you need that kind of constant you know, affirmation. I, I'm
1: curious, do you have like, if you reflected back and like, do you ever have like a moment where you're like, you remind yourself why you started, right? So, I have like multiple moments like that. So one of the first um, things that we said when we launched is that the worst case, right, the worst case was going to be with, with millennial money, the worst case was that no one even looks at it, no one engages with it, um, but, we would have learned a lot about money ourselves mm-hmm. in having to research to like get the content mm-hmm. out right yeah so the absolute worst case was that we were going to learn something that we will want to learn anyway and I re- reflect on that and I think that was a really powerful way to get started because it didn't matter that we were doing all this extra work getting nothing for it uh, I, it felt fun like I felt like I had a purpose because I was like learning something and then just like putting it out into the world mm. and, and that obviously changes over time but it was like a small I don't know moral compass a small sort of like compass that like set us on our way um in thinking well the the, the worst thing that's going to happen is that you will have learned something new
0: mm-hmm. I completely relate to that 100% it's actually weird because I just got literally back from a trip to Paris like literally last night and This is going to sound so cringy, but I was actually like stood on the second floor of like the Eiffel Tower, like just looking at everything, just genuinely having deep thoughts about like, you know, life and all of that kind of stuff. And I was like, I was thinking, I was like, wow, like I'm not, it's not the business that I'm necessarily proud of, but it's like the person that I've become as a result of doing the business that I'm super proud of. Like I... I remember like thinking in my early 20s that I, I didn't really enjoy, I didn't enjoy much about life. I didn't enjoy what I was doing. I didn't like really who I was. I didn't like who I really like surrounding myself with. I didn't like where I lived. And there's a lot of things that I used to really beat myself up for. And then I had this kind of bit of like a realization where I was like, actually, I was like, I really love literally nearly everything that's going on in my life. I'm so yeah. grateful that this is my life and like I'm really happy with the person that I'm becoming and I think it's the result of like spending time with the likes of yourself and other amazing mm. people who come onto the podcast and you know it, sharing perspective and sharing opinions it's 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 shaped me into a, a far better person as a result of kind of listening to people and having this privilege of sitting opposite so many amazing young people.
1: And you're doing an amazing job like and it, you should be proud of like who you're becoming and that's actually like a really... Um, lovely message I think um, a lot of people sit there and if you reflect on that you think I'm probably living through a lot of like the hopes and dreams that I once had mm. but because it's so relentless like we're sort of just like going on oh, like, we're moving forward we're moving forward we don't take time to pause and like take stock yeah. of like what you've managed to do mm. right like when you first launched Talk20s like did you think that you'd be here like in, <laughs> <Absolutely> not. <laughs> you know like yeah and again like when you get to those periods where you're feeling a bit burnt out where you're feeling where you're sort of experiencing the loneliness of being a founder and running a business um it's easier said than done but it is nice to sort of like stop and be like wow like i'd never even hoped that this would happen Mm -hmm. at, at some point right and i'm living through some of those like hopes and dreams right now um and it, it allows you to reset. It doesn't make things easier, but it does allow you to reset. And I think one of the things I was referring to earlier is the intangible non-financial benefits of doing something like building a business and putting yourself out there is the, is the people that you get to meet, the relationships that you get to build.
0: Yeah.
1: Insane. Like there's, there's, there's rooms and spaces that I've been able to occupy because of it, um, because of building a platform that there's there's no way i would have been able to sit in those spaces meet those people speak to those people build relationships with those people um and it just comes from actually putting yourself out there and just trying something mm-hmm. trying something new
0: totally um, Totally. Well, I, you know, we've gone off on a, a slight tangent in terms of, you know, we're t- chatting about like what we love to do and what we've built and stuff like that. But I think one of the things that we really wanted to make sure that we discussed on this podcast was the differences in the geographic locations of the UK and how different our experiences or yeah. people's experience will be as a result of that. When we spoke, you said to me... 100k isn't actually that much money in London. Oh,
1: that's going to get clipped, and I'm going to get in trouble. That. For that. <laughs> you Ooh. did say that.
0: You did say that. 100k is so, not actually that much money in London. Tell me why.
1: Okay, I'm going to have to add a lot of context to this, right? Right, and I stand by it. I stand by it. Okay. So you have to understand, like the when people, especially Brits, we're obsessed with a few things. We're obsessed with a six-figure salary, right? Mm-hmm. We're obsessed with home ownership, right? Um. And I think people see a lot of that. We're obsessed with marriage or, or weddings, right? Yeah. Um, and these are nice obsessions to have as well. Okay, which is fine, and particularly for twenty somethings, right? Mm. These are things that like it feels like we're constantly reaching for. Um, now, the six figure salary point, a hundred k, isn't what a hundred k used to be. I think that's fair to say because of inflation. Obviously, it isn't. That's such an obvious point, um, but. In London specifically, like if you think about like what I call purchase power parity, what a hundred thousand pounds, of course, it's a lot of money, buys you in Liverpool, is not the same as what a hundred thousand pound might buy you in London. Mm -hmm. It could be a hundred. That's a nice round figure, right? That's why we use that. Like it could be eighty thousand, it could be eighty five, it could be seventy, it could be, but. There are instances where you could be earning almost half as much as someone living and working in London and in real terms be wealthier, right? And um, we, we can sort of dive into it. And I, I'm going to assume that most people uh, who sort of like follow these examples would have... It, let's say you went to university and it was the um, uh, plan to, so like the repayments that you're having, there's an additional tax on your income basically because of the student loans, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's actually, let's just take 85K. So um, I earned 85K last year, the year before, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and let's say that's just over four grand a month after taxes, after student loan um, repayments. That's a lot of money, right? Okay. Now in London, the big bit of context or like the important bit of context to add is like if you're single or if you have children, so on either side, right, they're massive expenses to add on. Right. So if you're single, everything you're paying for all of the expenses on your own. Um, One of my best friends, he's uh, just signed for a one bed apartment. Right. And I know people will tell me oh, you can live in loads of places in London, one bed apartment, not anywhere near the center. Um, It's uh, in East London, somewhere called Canning town. Um, And he's going to be paying just over two grand for a one bed apartment Uh in rent. Okay, so if you're earning, let's say, £85,000 like I did last year in London and you're paying two grand because you're single, like you're paying £2,000 just rent, doesn't include your council tax, doesn't include your food, doesn't include your travel, doesn't include anything else. That's half your income gone, Uh right? That's half your income already gone. Now, how much would a one bed apartment cost me in Liverpool?
0: far less than that. Let's take, you know, Georgia, our creative producer, she's been looking at apartments, you know, the one she's found incredibly affordable because it's a guardianship. Mm. But, you know, if you're looking at kind of median, probably between 800 and a thousand pounds.
1: Okay. Less than half Mm -hmm. of what it would cost. Yeah. um, In, in London, right. Mm -hmm. Um, So you've got three quarters of your salary left after you've paid for housing, if you're earning 85 K as well. Yeah. Um, But in, in London, like, most like half of it's gone already um and then think about the cost of travel um uh, if you're having to go into the city let's assume you've got a, a city job mm-hmm. and let's just like round it let's say you're not going to go into the office all the time you're probably paying about 200 pounds a month maybe maybe more uh to get into central london um probably a lot more and then the cost of like food um, that you that doesn't even take into account any of the discretionary spending in terms of like socialising and going out, and everything's more expensive in London as well. So, you could be in a position. At, at how much would someone earning let's half it? If someone was earning around forty thousand pounds, they might find themselves in a position living in a really nice part of Liverpool um, where they have more money left over after all of their expenses have gone out um, than someone earning eighty five thousand pounds in London. Mm-hmm. So we have to look at these numbers and really um, contextualise them with with location. Um, another example was we spoke about our own um, circumstances of like buying property. Mm-hmm. So I was in the process of buying a two bed flat, nowhere near the centre of London, um, uh, in Zone Four, which is a, a, a quite far out for about four hundred and eighty thousand mm-hmm. pounds, right? <laughs> and, and you looked at me when I I bought a house for less than half that
0: mm-hmm. right absolutely yeah I mean it was before COVID yeah but yeah our house cost 160,000 pounds
1: yeah and it's way nice I can guarantee it's way nicer <laughs> than what I would have bought um and where I would have bought in London yeah. so there isn't complete parity and people sort of like shirk and I, and I know because I think our most like highly engaged um content is when we like anonymously post people's salaries and what they might be doing with their money. Now, there is a real like stark difference in cost of things based on where you are. Um, So I don't think... You should look at people's incomes or salaries and feel any kind of way about yourself mm-hmm. um, because you, probably, you might actually be wealthier than someone in London on a six-figure salary, mm-hmm. um, which is weird to say or weird to think. Um, I've got friends who are investment bankers who until recently, so investment bankers in London, right, uh, until recently told me that they were living paycheck to paycheck on significant salaries yeah wow exactly and and i guess part of that you might be like oh they're they're going out and they're spending loads of money they weren't living luxury lifestyles they're not it's not the kind of lifestyles where you think oh my god like they're doing so much they weren't
0: Mm
1: -hmm. pretty standard like for, for for 20 somethings they'd socialize maybe on the weekend not even every weekend um but that's how significant the cost of living has become in in certain places and then you go to cities like like we said like new york and it's that yeah. almost becomes like fantastical to us, that when you think about it. Mm-hmm. But all of that to say, when I go viral for saying 100k isn't that much. <laughs> um, all of that to say is that if you, um, depending on your circumstances, um, those and depending on where you are, those salaries don't get you as far as you might perceive um, it to get you. Because mm-hmm. uh, the other side of it, we, 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 which we didn't touch on, is um, which a load of my colleagues tell me about is. Um, uh, child care and how expensive childcare is um uh one of my colleagues um in my team she's just had a, a, a bit i think her son's turning maybe too soon and she said she spends over two thousand pounds a month on childcare, and she gets to she works from home um f- she works part-time now and she works from home four days a week um but she has to spend two thousand pounds
0: wow it's like it's another mortgage, isn't it? Or exactly. She rent. said, yeah, that's, yeah,
1: so so there, there's another side of it that we don't consider. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people that you, again, that's why I don't think it's helpful to look at people's salaries and feel any type of way about mm-hmm. yourself because um, you have to really consider their circumstances. Um, and I, I think quite often you might find yourself in a more privileged position than someone mm in the big smoke earning 100k plus
0: mm-hmm. 100% I think, I think the whole thing to, to summarise the conversation is that if you are feeling the pinch as a 20 something right now you are not alone there are so 100%. many people who feel you know the effects of all of this conversation and you know it, it's pretty normal to be feeling like that even though you might be feeling alone that's the whole point of Talk20s is to kind of normalise those conversations
1: 100%, 100%. So, yeah. yeah and I think the big thing that helps is actually just like speaking to someone about it Yeah. and it will make you realise that you're you're not alone in your experience Mm -hmm. um and 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 just just before we move on that's actually how millennial money was launched so shaq and i like we were always like we always benchmarked ourselves against each other like best mates from uni um and we were always in like similar tracks like earning similar amounts and, and and sort of like similar career trajectories and i think we were both struggling with debt right but we didn't really tell each other and it was just like a bro like like I'm I've just got a pay rise but I'm in more debt and Mm -hmm. he was like what you too like it was that kind of moment of like oh my god like we can actually share in this experience and it really like uh, well-being wise it was amazing because you're like oh my god it's not just me in this position and it really helps Mm -hmm. um and more often than not a lot of these experiences certainly with your finances that you might be having you're definitely not alone Mm -hmm. you're definitely not alone
0: definitely not. Um one of the things we love to talk about on the podcast is the fact that like even though you have done so much work with millennial money and you feel like you're in a really good place with your finances, nobody's perfect mm-hmm. and everybody is still trying to work on something. For you, what's that thing that you're trying to get better at yourself right now?
1: With with money or
0: with anything in your 20s? Like it's a um, roller coaster, right?
1: Yeah. I th- I think I need to get uh, better at just communicating my capacity. Mhm. Um, I think I've got used to just saying, yes, yeah, I'll do that. Of course I can do that. Yeah, of course. Like, and just taking on so much that I just routinely burn myself out. Um, and I don't think I'm that good at delegating yet. It, I'm I'm trying to learn, right? Because you can't, you can't do everything on your own and then still have time for yourself. And like I was saying to you earlier, like it's March, 2023, <laughs> my plan this year was to travel quite a bit I haven't left the country yet and then I look back at the last time I and I love traveling um and I was like what have I been doing in that time because I feel like I've done a lot and I've just been working
0: mm-hmm.
1: and like not having any like not having any novel experience you time just escapes you and you you look back and you're like what have I what have I done and I think I need to get better at pausing yeah, And actually be like, well, this isn't going away.
0: Because you're only in your 20s once, right? Yeah,
1: man. Well, yeah. I don't have long left in my 20s as well. <laughs> so um, You've got to enjoy it. Yeah. So I think certainly for me, I think I need to get better at like communicating how I'm actually like doing with myself, first of all. And then with other people and like not mm-hmm. being scared to be like, yo, can, can someone help me, please? Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. Yeah. And with my money, uh, I think I'm very grateful. And I think I thank Millennial Money for this as well, is that it's forced me to become good with 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 my own money management it's not a permanent experience you're never going to always be good with your money mm-hmm. you have to constantly like like reset and 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 look at it and assess where you are but currently I'm like grateful that's something that I don't have to worry about and I know that it is a cause for a lot of anxiety for a lot of people because I was the same um, but I'm grateful that I don't have money worries at this moment in time. And, and and I'm pleased because that's a big thing that I worked on for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm in a position where I don't have to worry about that.
0: Mm-hmm. That's really good. Um, well, Niaz, it's been amazing to chat to you on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. You'll know from listening to the podcast that we always end the podcast with the same question that we ask every single one of our guests. And it's, if you could look back to 20-year-old Niaz and ask yeah. him just one question question or just give him one piece of advice yeah. that you would say to him to see him through his twenties. Mm. What would you say to him?
1: I've actually got a couple, right? I would say, um, like slow down. that like, why are you in such a rush? You're actually so young. Yeah. Like y- why are you in such a rush? Don't take that job.
0: For oh sure. my God.
1: I would tell myself, do not take that job. <laughs> do not take that job. Go and travel. Yeah. <laughs> do not take that job. Um uh and then i just like tell myself to slow down like stop taking yourself so seriously like yeah. you've got plenty of time for things to get really really serious and they will and also like you're very lucky you've still got that hairline
0: <laughs> <laughs> i love that thank you so much it's been so amazing to chat thank to you. you so
1: much for having me